So how's everybody this morning? Everybody awake, doing well? Enjoy yesterday's beautiful sunshine. Looking forward to uh, something a little bit different today. Hey, for those of you who don't know you, my name is, no, me, you know you, you don't know me. Uh, my name's Clay, I think I know me, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to see you guys here this morning, and if this is your first time with us, if you're a guest with us this morning, we are so glad that you're here, and uh, as Vanessa was saying, we'd love to have you stop by our guest center, and we have a, a great little uh, gift for you. We are beginning the second half of a series of messages that we're calling hashtag winning and we're talking about success and how our society defines success versus how Jesus defines success and if today's your first time and so you're you know you haven't caught any of the previous messages or maybe you've been on vacation uh, for a week or two you can always catch up by going online to our website at renaissancechurch.org and we've got uh, video there we've got audio there and so you can catch up there's a discussion guide for you to either use for your own personal reflection or with a group of people, maybe with your family, to, to talk about the message. And you can also uh, sign up on iTunes for our audio and video podcast. So let me encourage you when you're doing all your traveling and stuff to uh, take advantage of that opportunity. So as I said, we're talking about uh, success and how Jesus really radically redefines success. Our society looks, looks at things like money and power and influence and says, if we have those things, we're successful. And Jesus says, those things are fine, but they're not really what defines success. And we're looking at a passage in the Bible from uh, Jesus' most famous sermon that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And we're looking at uh, just the beginning of that, the first 10 or 12 verses or so, of that sermon, and it's a section that's called the Beatitudes. And in that section, Jesus gives eight different statements where he talks about how we are blessed when we exhibit his character, when we exhibit this, these particular character traits that are really reflective of who Jesus is. And he starts off in the first Beatitude, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we're poor in spirit when we realize that we can do absolutely nothing to earn God's favor. But when we realize that, it's freeing because we realize we don't have to do anything to earn God's favor because he loves us because of who he is, not because of who we are. And so there's incredible blessing in that. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We mourn, we mourn. When we grieve because of our sin and our brokenness, when we have a realistic view of the fact that we're broken, that we're fallen, that we're sinful, that we're not perfect, that we're not who God wants us to be and we're not who we want to be. And yet we can fall on God's grace and his mercy and his love and recognize that he does accept us, that he does comfort us. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And we're meek when we're humble, and when we, when we really realize that we're not any better than anybody else, we're not superior to anybody else, we're all level, when we don't look down on people, when we don't use them, when we don't step on them to get ahead, Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And then last week, we talked about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus says, 
We hunger and we thirst for righteousness. When we have this insatiable desire to be more and more like Jesus. When we have this overwhelming desire to be like him, to live like him, to act like him, and to treat others the way that he treats us. And then today, we come to the fifth beatitude. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And I want to just start by asking the question, how do we define mercy? What, what do we mean when we talk about being merciful? Mercy is compassion that's shown to someone who is in need, especially to an offender. The person's in need, sometimes through no fault of their own, maybe they've, uh, you know, maybe they've gotten sick through no fault of their own, maybe they were in an accident, maybe they lost their job, whatever it is, they're in need and we have the opportunity to show mercy to them. But in other cases, and, and in many cases, mercy especially is focusing on an offender who's in need, maybe someone who's in our power because they have done something to us and we have the opportunity either to exact revenge or to show them mercy. And so uh, mercy is compassion that's shown to somebody who's in need, often because of something that they've done, often because they're an offender. And mercy involves an emotional response. My heart goes out to the person with compassion, with pity, with care, but it doesn't stop there. It actually shows that mercy. It leads to action. So it's not simply a feeling, it's a feeling that leads to action. And in our society, being merciful often has a positive connotation. We like the idea of mercy, especially when it's shown to us. If we've done something wrong, say we messed up at work, and rather than firing us, the boss calls us in and says, hey, stuff happens. I realize nobody's perfect. You're not going to lose your job. You know, chalk it up to an educational experience. We just spent a million dollars on your education. Of course, we're not going to fire you, you know. And uh, so we appreciate mercy when it's shown to us in that way. And we appreciate mercy when somebody shows it to somebody else and we can say, oh, isn't that nice? And it gives us a, a warm feeling for what they've done. And sometimes we're even excited, we're even happy to show mercy to somebody else as long as it doesn't cost us too much. You know, because mercy does come at a cost. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it costs us money. Sometimes it means that we have to give up our desire to get back at the, other, at the other person. Sometimes it means that we have to forgive them. Sometimes it means that we have to let go of an offense that is, from a human perspective, essentially impossible to let go of. And so mercy does come at a cost, but mercy can be unbelievably life-changing. How many of you have uh, seen the movie or read the book or been to the Broadway show Les Mis, Les Miserables? Go ahead and raise your hands. It's about half, maybe two-thirds of you. I won't ask how many of you have been in the production because there are some folks here at Renaissance. It's awesome just to see the different folks that we have here. People from the business world, people from the Broadway world, people from the music world, people who are just unbelievable parents, people who serve in so many different ways, and we've got all sorts of different folks here. But Les Mis is just a great story, and in case you haven't ever read it or seen it, I found a review online that I wanted to read for you to kind of give you a synopsis of what was going on. The reviewer writes, went to the movies with the wife. 
we saw this obscure movie I'd never heard of, some French foreign film. They must have been giving away free tickets because the lines were out the door. Anyway, the movie starts, the movie starts and Wolverine is singing his guts out. Then, Cat, then Catwoman starts crying and singing and she chops off her hair and she loses all her teeth. It's all very moving. The only problem was the girl next to me, who had apparently read the book or something, starts singing along. Very distracting. Anyway, so Wolverine is on the run from the gladiator because Catwoman had a baby at a pub that's owned by Borat and Bellatrix. But now Catwoman wants Wolverine to care, care for the baby so that she can grow up to be the girl from Mamma Mia. Time skip. Bunch of kids get shot, everybody dies, four stars. It actually is a great story. If you haven't seen it, it is definitely worth it. It's probably on Fios now, or you can get it on Netflix or something. And uh, I would love for it someday to come back to Broadway as well, because it's a great musical. But there's some really awesome illustrations of being merciful in, uh, in Les Mis. And the story starts out at the beginning of the movie version, at least. Jean Valjean is being released from prison. He's been a prisoner for the past, I think, 18 or 19 years. The first five or six or so were because he stole bread to feed his uh, sister's kids. And then the rest of the time was because he had uh, tried to escape on a number of times. And so he's uh, been released, and he's traveling around, and he's trying to find a place to work. He's trying to find a place to live. No one will give him a job. No one will give him a place to live. No one will give him any food because every time he shows his papers, they indicate that he's an ex-convict. And uh, so the only person who shows him any kindness is the Bishop of Dania, a small town. And he allows Valjean to stay overnight. He feeds him, he cares for him, and he just shows him some kindness. And Valjean repays that kindness by stealing the bishop's uh, silver and just taking off. So in the next scene, we see the police with Valjean in cuffs, bring him back to the bishop. Bishop, They drop the silver on the table and they say to the bishop, is this yours? We caught this man with your silver. And the bishop looks at Valjean and he looks at the police and he says, no, it's not my silver. I gave it to him as a gift. And then he walks over to the cupboard and he takes two beautiful, heavy silver candlesticks and he walks over to Valjean. He says, Jean Valjean, you forgot the candlesticks. Why did you forget the candlesticks? And Valjean looks at him incredulous because he's expecting that he's going to be sent back to jail. He's going to be sent back to prison. But instead, the bishop shows him mercy and releases him from that burden, from that debt from what is probably going to be spending the rest of his life in prison. And after the police leave, the bishop looks at Jean Valjean and he says, take this silver and use it to start a new life. Take this silver and use it to start a new life. So Jean Valjean takes off, and I'll tell you the rest of it in a little while. There's a whole lot more to that story. But the key thing is, the bishop showed Jean Valjean the kind of mercy that he had never seen before in his life. The kind of mercy 
that we'd want somebody to show us. The kind of mercy that cost him something. Cost him what would be in, in our dollars just probably tens of thousands of dollars. And he wasn't necessarily a very rich man. This was probably uh, most of what he had put aside uh, for his retirement. Jean Valjean didn't deserve mercy. He deserved to go back to jail. But mercy is not deserved. Mercy is not based on the character of the person receiving it. It's based on the character of the person giving it. And the bishop was a merciful person. And so he extended compassion in order to meet a need, even though it cost him something. And so Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. The question is, how can we become more merciful? Let's go back to the story of Jean Valjean in, in, in Les Mis. So the bishop says to Valjean, he says, go and take this silver and use it to start a new life. And there are a couple of twists and turns uh, over the next little while in, in, the, in the movie and in the play and in the book. But eventually Jean Valjean ends up in a small city and he owns a factory and in that factory, he employs people who might not otherwise be able to find a job. And he's, his life is beginning to be transformed. And he actually ends up becoming the mayor of that city. He's beloved by the people there. He's a respected citizen. And we see throughout the movie on numerous occasions, Jean Valjean has opportunity to show people mercy, even at cost to himself, and he does so. So there's one scene in which this cart has fallen over on an elderly man, and Jean Valjean, because of all his years in prison and, and the labor that he had to do, he's able to lift the cart and rescue the guy, even though it may mean that he's going to reveal that he was once a prisoner and now perhaps go back to jail. Uh, he ends up helping a woman uh, and caring for her child, even again at great personal cost to himself, and goes on and on and on. And what happened was, as Jean Valjean embraced the mercy that the bishop had shown him, it really began to change his life. And you can see this transformation occurring and going on throughout the whole movie. And in the same way as the bishop's mercy uh, changed Jean Valjean, God's mercy can change us. And the more that I embrace God's mercy, the more that I embrace the mercy that God has shown to me, the more I will show mercy to others. When I understand, when I accept, when I embrace how much it cost God to show mercy to me, then my heart's going to be changed. And as my heart has changed, I'm not going to have to show mercy. I'm going to want to show mercy to other people because I'm going to be so overwhelmed by what my God did for me that I'm going to be transformed by his spirit to become more and more like him. We're talking about hunger and thirsting for righteousness last week. I'm going to become more and more like my Savior and treat those around me with the kind of mercy that he treated me. When I'm poor in spirit, because I realize that I can do nothing to earn God's favor. When I mourn, because I grieve over my sin and over my brokenness. 
when I'm meek because I'm humble and I realize that I'm no better than anybody else. I'm in no way superior to anybody else. When I hunger and thirst for righteousness because I have an insatiable desire to be like Jesus, when I embrace the first four of the Beatitudes, then the fifth one comes into play. Then I'm going to be merciful. Then I'm going to show those around me the same kind of mercy that God has shown to me. The more that I embrace the mercy that God shows me, the more that I'm going to show mercy to others. Let's take a couple minutes and, and think about the mercy that God has shown us. How has, how has God shown mercy to us? In Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, who wrote about a third to, to roughly even half of the New Testament, he writes and he says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, when we were in need, mercy is compassion that's extended to someone who's in need. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for us. You see that very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still broken, while we were still fallen, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Paul says we were powerless. He says we were sinners. He says we were God's enemies. Yet God showed us mercy not because we deserved it, but because that's the kind of God who he is. God's mercy is based on his character, not mine. It's based on who he is and what he's done, not on who I am and what I've done. God shows us mercy because of who he is, not because of who we are. Paul continues in the book of Titus, and he says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his, his mercy. That's the kind of God that we have a God who looks at us and knows what's going on, not just outside of us, not just what you can see of me, but he knows what's going on inside of my heart. He knows the depths of my heart. He knows my brokenness. He knows my fallenness. He knows my depravity, and yet he still loves me, and yet he still shows me mercy, and he sends his son to die for me that I could live and spend eternity with him. That's the kind of God that we have. His mercy reflects his character, not mine. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. If we embrace the mercy that God has shown us, if we embrace what Christ did for us on the cross in his death and in his resurrection, then ultimately God is going to work in us so that we'll show mercy to others. It's God's work, not ours. It means that 
when we receive and embrace and accept and appropriate and really just live in and enjoy the mercy that God has shown us, that's going to transform our lives. And we're going to show that same kind of mercy to others. And as a result, we're going to get to enjoy the mercy of God forever with him for eternity in heaven with him. That's why this beatitude is a blessing. That's why it's a beatitude, a blessing rather than a burden. And that's why it can give us hope. But the flip side is that a lack of mercy is evidence that we've never fully embraced the mercy that God has shown us. Either because we don't think we need it, maybe we think we're good enough on our own, or because for some, some reason we're just unwilling to accept it. If you continue on in the story of Les Mis, when Jean Valjean was in prison, there was a guard named Javert who took particular interest in Jean Valjean and not in a very positive way. He enjoyed uh, tormenting Jean Valjean and even when Valjean was uh, leaving prison, Javert just indicated to him he just figured nothing was ever going to change and Valjean was going to be a criminal for the rest of his life and had no hope. Uh, for a changed life. And even throughout the rest of the story, Javert continues to pursue Valjean, and he's trying to send him back to prison. He actually recognizes him when he's the mayor of this small town, and he sees him as he's lifting the cart from on top of this person who's been hurt, and he realizes the only person he knows that, could that has that kind of strength was this prisoner that he had known some years ago. And then he sees him in other situations. So he's pursuing him the whole time. And near the end of the story, Jean Valjean is given an opportunity to kill Javert. And yet he doesn't. He shows him mercy. And it destroys Javert. Because you see, Javert looked at the world through the lens of the law. There was justice and there was mercy, and he couldn't reconcile the two. He was a man of the law, and justice had to prevail. But Valjean had showed him mercy, and he couldn't handle it. His worldview could not deal with the tension between justice and mercy. And so he did the only thing that he could do, and he took his own life, because he couldn't handle that tension. Javert could not rec uh, reconcile the tension between justice and mercy, but God can. And this is the amazing thing about what Christ has done for us. When Jesus died on the cross, he satisfied God's justice. He didn't just blow it off. He didn't just look the other way. He just didn't say, forget about justice. He substituted himself for us. He paid the penalty in our place. He died the death that we should have died so that we could get his life. He satisfied God's justice, but at the same time showed us mercy. He did what Javert could not do, and he did it for us because he loves us, because that's the kind of God that he is. It's justice, but it's also mercy. And we've got an amazing God because of who he is and what he's done. We're blessed and we have hope. 
And we don't need to live in that tension between justice, knowing that what we've done is wrong and deserves punishment, but wanting mercy but not seeing how we can get it because we don't deserve it. But because of what Jesus has done, justice is served and mercy is given to us. Thank the Lord for, for being such an amazing, creative, loving, just, and merciful God. I want to give you three ways in which we can apply uh, what we've been talking about. The first one is personalize the Beatitudes. Personalize the Beatitudes. Make them yours. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm blessed when I realize that I can do nothing to earn God's favor. Because that gives me hope. Because it means since I can't do anything to earn his favor, his favor, his blessing doesn't depend on who I am. It doesn't depend on anything that I do. And so that brings freedom. That brings hope. That brings blessing. I'm blessed when I'm poor in spirit. I'm blessed when I mourn because when I grieve over my sin and my brokenness, I realize that there's one who's there to comfort me. So I'm blessed when I mourn. I'm blessed when I'm meek. I don't always think of it that way. But I'm blessed when I'm humble. I'm blessed when I don't see myself as better than anybody else because then I don't need to keep striving to be better than anybody else. I can just rest in the fact that I'm loved by a God who is willing to sacrifice himself for me, not because of who I am, not because I'm better than anybody else, but just because he created me and he loves me and he wants to have a relationship with me. I'm blessed when I hunger and I thirst for righteousness. I'm blessed when I have an insatiable desire to be like Jesus because he absolutely wants me to be like himself. He created me to be like himself. And so when I want to be like him, he's like, yes, that's what I want for you. So I know that when I pray that prayer, Lord, Help me to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's a prayer that he's going to want to answer. And there's blessing in that. Blessed are the merciful. I'm blessed when I embrace the mercy that God has shown me and when I let God's mercy and love transform me and live it out as I show mercy to others, confident in the fact that when I'm with Christ in heaven, I'm going to enjoy his mercy forever and ever because that's who he is. He's that kind of a merciful God. So first, personalize the Beatitudes. Make them your own. Pray them and make them your own. Second, meditate on God's mercy. Take some time to think about your brokenness, to think about your sin, to think about your, to think about your fallenness. And I don't mean to do that in order to make us feel bad about ourselves but to have a realistic understanding of who we are. Because you see, people who are righteous, people who are inherently good, don't need mercy. And if we don't appreciate the fact that we are in need of mercy, then we're not going to appreciate the mercy that God is offering to us. So take the time to realistically reflect on who you are and then take some time to meditate and focus on God's mercy and the unbelievable love that he showed to us. Why would the God of the universe, who's holy and righteous and just and perfect, 
want to pour out his mercy on me, who am so far from holy and righteous and just and perfect. Why would he do that? What kind of a God do I have? Take some time to meditate on God's mercy. And then finally pray. Just pray. Ask God to give you a greater appreciation for his mercy. Ask him to give you a greater appreciation for his love. Ask him to transform your heart so that you will become more and more like he is and that you won't have to force yourself to show mercy to those around you. You'll want to show mercy to those around you because you'll be seeing them in the way that God sees you. Ask him to give you his heart for those around you to transform your life so that you'll willingly, eagerly, and actively show mercy to those around you. We receive mercy not because we deserve it, not because of who we are, not because of anything we've done. We receive mercy because we have cried out to a merciful God who is willing and eager to answer our prayers and to show us mercy. And when we embrace that mercy, when we embrace that love, when we embrace that grace, it will transform our lives. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, it is an amazing thing to think that you, the perfect, holy, righteous, just creator of the universe, was willing to send your son to save me, to die in my place, to take the punishment that I deserve so that you could show me mercy satisfying your justice yet showing me mercy giving me the opportunity to live with you forever and father i pray that i wouldn't reject that mercy that i wouldn't spurn that mercy and i pray that i wouldn't take it for granted either i pray for all of us father that we would embrace the mercy that you have offered to us and as we do i pray that you would transform our hearts help us to see those around us as you see them help us to have the same heart for them that you have for us. And as we do, I pray that they would see your love and your grace and your mercy and that they would be drawn to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for coming out this morning and I hope you have a wonderful week.